Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. It's what we call a standalone message. It just means we're not attached to a series. And so today I want to share my heart with you of what I really feel like God is speaking to us as a church. Now, you may be in here today and you go, oh, well, I'm not a part of the church. Well, I'm really thankful that you're here and you're hanging out with us. I hope today that you're encouraged. But this message and this word is going to speak to you as well. But I really want to challenge us who call Cultivate Church home. We know around here that this place is not a logo. It's not a personality. It really is about coming together, using the gifts that God has given us, and seeing God do something bigger than what we can do in ourselves. And we call it around here life on purpose, that everything we do is lived and done in such a way that there's a purpose behind it. And so today, I really want to take a moment, and I want to look back on where we've been. I want to take a moment and look at where we are, and then I want to look ahead to where we're going. And I believe that the word that God's give us today is something for us right now. I think it's on time, and I think we can all absorb it and just use it as a reminder as to why God has put us on this planet. But before we dive into it, I want to pray, and I want you to prepare your heart, and I want you to prepare your mind to receive the word today. So let's do it. Father, I love you. And I thank you so much for this moment, for this opportunity, God, to be in your house. We do not take for granted what you do around here. We are so honored to be in your presence and knowing that you're doing great things in our midst. So today, we just come to you and we we just give you our life. We open ourselves up, God, that you would speak to us. So open our ears to hear, our mind to understand, and our heart to retain what you'll speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So on your outline, there is a passage of scripture that I've given you out of Ephesians chapter 5, if you want to get that on your outline, or if you've got a glowing Bible, you want to get that together. Or if you're old school, this is called a book, okay? It's actually a Bible. It's made of paper, which comes from trees. It's really amazing. This is the way they used to do it back in the old days. But if you have something today, I want you to get something that you can write, notate, even if it's on the scripture on your outline. And in Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 1, here's what it says. It says, imitate God. Now that alone, that statement is just needs a pause for a second. Because that, to me, when I read that from the beginning, I get overwhelmed. Because I'm thinking, okay, God, if you want me to imitate somebody, give me somebody with some faults, because I'm full of them. Give me somebody that's not going to get it right every time. This seems like an impossible task to say right from the beginning, imitate God. And then he goes on to say, imitate him in everything you do because you are his children. He said, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ, because he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, which is pleasing and aroma to God. And then in verse 10, he says this carefully, and I underline that word carefully because I think this is important, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And then verse 15, again, so be careful, underline that statement. In a different context, first of all, it's be careful to understand what pleases God, and then now be careful in how you live. He says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And I always love this kind of stuff because, you know, we say we can't understand the Bible. You can understand don't live like a fool. I pity the fool. You know, some of you 80s, you know, you've been around, you know, Mr. T. Come on, I pity the fool. Like a fool. We can understand that. Then he goes on to say, make the most of every opportunity for the days are evil or in these evil days. Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Then the last verse, 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, in this process of thinking about this, this is what I believe the word of the Lord is for us today. I believe as he's reminding us as why we exist as a church, this Ephesians chapter 5 is what he wanted to drop into our heart today to remind you, hey, cultivate church. This is what I want you to do. The first thing I want you to do is to imitate God. I want you to follow after me. Now, when I begin to read this more, and I just began to stop because I said, God, I'm, I'm overwhelmed already. I, I, you know, I'm a person of, of progress but not perfect. That's what God wants from us, by the way. We'll never reach perfection, but he wants us to be people of progress every day, making better steps closer to him. And then I thought about this word imitate, and I realized we are so good at imitation. We are a culture of imitation. My three-year-old understands a life of imitation. Some days he will walk in my living room and he'll say, Dad, I'm a ninja. And he'll grab whatever you know resembles a sword, and he'll say, I got my sword. And he'll do karate tricks. And I'm like, you know, I never had a moment where I sat him down. I said, okay, son, today we begin karate training. Like, I never did that. That was not a moment that we shared together. I did try to teach him the karate kid. You know what I'm talking about, the karate kid? And he said, Dad, stop doing Don't do that. Like, I don't know if it embarrassed him. We're starting early. What happened? He didn't want to do that. But he understands what a ninja is. Why? Because he's watched the Ninja Turtles. And so he knows how to imitate. The other night, he come in the living room, and he grabbed me. And he said, Dad, you're going to jail. And I was like, what, what are we doing? He said, Mom, you're going to jail. And he grabbed me by the wrist, and he walked over and got his mom, and he carried us to his bedroom. And he said, now you're in jail. Now stay. Now, I don't understand what a three-year-old knows about jail. I hope it's nothing that was like, a, you know, God's given us a heads up, so pray for us, okay? But he has seen a police officer somewhere on TV, and he understood that the police officer takes the bad guy and he places them in jail. He was imitating simply what he had seen. We've done it all of our lives. Generationally, you look back, you looked a certain way, you talked a certain way. Come on, you had jive talk, you know what I'm saying? Today, the kids, that's, that's fire. You know, like, you, you think something's on fire? No, they're like, that's good, that's great. You know, that, you know they, they, things like lit. I don't know what the fascination is with fire in this generation, but things are lit, they're on fire. You don't know what's happening, but they do. Why? Because it's a trend, it's a culture, it's an imitation of what we see and what we do. God is simply saying to you, I know you won't get it right every time, but in your pursuit, imitate me. Do what I do. As a matter of fact, I sent you the greatest example. Let's take a look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? Well, the Bible says that he gave his life as a sacrifice for every single one of us. Now, we struggle with that, but I want to tell you around here, I believe this with all of my heart. See, team, you are the greatest people on the face of this planet. This place exists because of you. It exists because you literally do what the Bible says and you sacrifice your life and you give it away. I never have a knot in my stomach other than the abandoned gas station and the initial pulling in this property to say, hey, come to church with me because I know as soon as someone walks through those doors that they're going to be loved, that they're going to be accepted, that they're going to be smiled, they're going to be greeted at. All of these things, people can find Jesus here because of the C team at Cultivate Church imitating and sacrificing their time and their gifts and their ability to see God do something great. I know we're sleepy 1130, but that's a moment to celebrate and honor our C team. You can put your hands together. Get ready because we're going to do that a lot today. All right? I'm just telling you. Then what's he say? Carefully, verse 10, carefully determines what pleases the Lord. So if I'm going to imitate God and I'm going to follow after Jesus, well, what does that mean for me? Like, I get it. 
I get it. You're the pastor. You know what you're supposed to do. I, I see everybody else. They look like they know what they're supposed to do. But what about me? Well, my number one responsibility is for me to carefully determine what pleases the heart of God. When I love him so much that I will carefully say, God, what pleases you? What captures your heart? What makes you smile? What makes you proud of me? He said, you're my children. Imitate me because you're my kids. So what makes my father happy? What could I do that would put a smile on his face with the way that I live? Well, then he goes on in verse 15. It says, well, be careful how you live. The way we live matters. We just walked out of a series together talking about overcoming the sin and all the habits and the hurts and the things that grab us and try to hold us down. And he said, so when you live your life, live it carefully. We say it around here is life on purpose. You may think that's a silly statement or it's just a slogan that we do or something cute we put on a piece of paper. But we say it's because he said, be careful how you live. You live your life on purpose. Don't live like the fools who think they're wise. No, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And I underline that in my Bible to make the most of every opportunity. See, when we understand the heart of God, then we know that God has something individually specific that he's gifted to you and me that he so desires for us to do. That way, when I am careful in how I live, making the most of every opportunity, God is calling me to live my life on purpose. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And so I, I pause for a second, and I, I want to make this personal for you. I want it to be a reflection moment in this second for you to ask yourself, well, what is it that God wants me to do? What has God called me to do with my life? What has God purposed me for on this planet? What is God wanting to do in me so that he can do through me to reach other people? You need to understand what the Lord wants you to do. And then verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we read that verse, somebody goes, well, I don't drink at all. Well, that's great. I commend you. I think that's fantastic. I think we should all be that way, personally. But then he says, don't be drunk with wine. He didn't say not to. He said, don't be drunk with it. And then some of you are going, well, I'm working on that. Or some of you are going, I'm pretty good. I can, I can handle a drink and not be drunk. What's he trying to say? Yes, he is saying, hey, practice self-control. That is a sin to be drunk with wine and in the physical. But he's saying in the spiritual sense, you need to be sober in your thought. You need to be sober in your action. You need to be sober in your vision. You need to be sober in your direction. You need to be sober in your words. Why? Because you need to make the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. And as I carefully search the heart of God and ask him, God, what do you want me to do? I need to live it out on purpose with every ounce of intent with my life so that I can make a difference while I still have the opportunity. There is an eternity and there is one that leads to a destination called hell away from God. It's not to scare us to Jesus. It is literally a reality of an eternity of my life separate from Jesus. And there is an eternity that leads to heaven and it is coming from my life sold out in the forgiveness of Jesus as my savior. And so today you and I as a church, we have a responsibility to live this out as Ephesians chapter five of what God is speaking to us about today. And so I want to take a second. I want us just to see, because I ask myself this question when I say, God, as a church, 
Where are we in this? Like, are we, are we following your heart? Are we getting it right? And some of you watched uh, sporting events yesterday, uh, commonly called football. Some of you watched that yesterday. Anybody? You know, that's kind of your gig around here. And somebody said a road tide. You know what I mean? That's kind of how you do it. And I understand. I asked somebody this morning, I said, hey, did we win yesterday? And they just looked at me. They said, look, there's only, let me give you a little hint. There's only three games you got to ask about that. We will win every week, roll tide. That's what they told me as I asked that question. And, and the way that you know you win is how? What do you do? You keep what? Score. You're the best ones. I mean, everybody else today is like, oh, 11.30, you're on it. Okay? You got a little extra sleep. You keep score. Now, I don't understand this because I'm not in the sporting world. Come on. But, but all the little kids, it's not about the score. You did good. You, you played. You get a trophy. Why do we do that? And then we turn into monsters on game day when it comes to the serious stuff. Like, we're just kind of sending mixed signals. That's just a, that's a side note for you guys to pray about, okay? But we keep score because we want to know if we're winning. We don't get to the end of the game and go, man, we had a lot of fun today, didn't we? You don't see those guys get down there and go, man, that was awesome. The way you caught that ball, that was so great. No, you say, we won. We put you in the ground. Like we, you know, you, you do a little smack talk because you won, because there's a sign that you did the best. And so I ask myself as a church, it's important for us to know if we're winning. And what's the signs if we're winning? It's life change. It's making a difference for eternity. It's heaven celebrating every time we get together. And so I began to think about the state of the church as a whole and across the country. Because, the, because the, we're not the only church in the world. You may not know that, but we're not the only church. And there's great churches all around. And I pray that every week people find Jesus in those churches and that may they be full of people finding life on purpose where they are. But I began to read some statistics that LifeWay Research did in, and released in March of this year for 2018. And here's some findings they found about the church. And they found that 60% of churches are either plateaued or they're declining. More than half of our churches in this country are either just plateaued or they're declining. And that began to break my heart, and I began to think about churches that I've personally been involved with over the years. And as I look back, church I grew up in and churches that I've served with, and I go, that's, that's right. They, they, are, they are either plateaued or they're in decline. And I thought about the power of what the church should be. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my what? My church. And he said, when I return, I'm coming for my bride, which is my what? It's my church. See, the church is the hope of the world. Jesus intended for us to turn the world upside down through the local church because the local church matters. We need to know if we're winning and if something is wrong. More than half of those churches saw fewer than 10 people give their heart to Jesus in 2018. Absolutely heartbreaking that people are not seeing their friends and their family members and their co-workers and their neighbors come to a relationship with Jesus through the power of the local church. 50% of churches see less than 100 people attending on Sundays. More than half of our churches don't even see 100 people in their community come together to do something bigger than themselves. Only 11% of churches see more than 250 people come together on Sunday mornings. And when I think about, God, what are we doing it? He says, look, man. He said, you're, you're part of that 11% of the small thing that God's doing. And this is what God tells us. And I'm not saying this. This is not a moment where we go, yep, we got it. No, it's a group of people 
who understand that we have to make the most of every opportunity that we have. We are a group of people who understand that these days are limited and they're evil. We are a group of people that understand eternity weighs in the balance and we want every person that we know to experience the life change in Jesus. So we plan for it. We prepare for it. We pray for it around here so that God's blessing can be on this place. That's the people of purpose that God is calling us to be so that we can see God do the things that he desires to do. Do you know that this month alone in September, we've seen 16 people give their heart to Jesus at Cultivate Church. Come on, that's a good moment right there. That's awesome. Absolutely incredible. Why? Because we prayed for it. We planned for it. And we prepare for it every week around us. Why these doors are open. Why do we do what we do? Why do you do what you do? It's so that one more person can meet Jesus and their eternity be changed. Do you know that this year alone, 103 people have said yes to Jesus at Cultivate Church. That's another red-handed moment right there. I know it's getting red, but it's good. We've seen more people give their heart to Jesus than most churches are seeing every week collectively coming together. And I don't tell you that in a way that we go, look at us. I tell you that in a way to go, look at God. And never, ever, ever shall we take it for granted what God is doing in our midst. I never want to come in this place and be around the presence of God and not in the presence of God. I never want to see what God's doing and not recognize it in my heart. I want to know that we can acknowledge the presence of God here and that we can be intentional on purpose every interaction we have, making the most of everything God sends us. Since we launched our church in 2012, 1,061 people have found life in Jesus. Just do it one more time. Just, I know, come on, but one more time. That's what he's doing. All across this room, all across both campuses. Listen, there's stories of life change. If you were just to say what God has done in your heart, just even since being around Cultivate, listen, you can't be around incredible people that love Jesus and your life not be impacted. And there's stories around here everywhere. And I just always listen and, and, uh, and, and, you know, I don't know if you want to say stalk, but you can say stalk, Facebook, you know, and see what God's doing in people's lives. And, and, and I, this week, I couldn't get past just thinking about Jeremy Kelly. Some of you know Jeremy around here, and maybe some of you don't. But, you know, a few months ago, just even a few months, you know, Jeremy's, their, their family's incredible. They're part of our church. Literally every thread now, I feel like they're just sewn into the, into the heart of this church. But a few months ago, Jeremy would be here, and, and he was here, and he was famous. Faithful, but I don't know if he always wanted to be here. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know if he was happy about it, you know, and, and it's always like I had this feeling that he was just waiting for like to turn the corner and go, ah, I got you. I caught you guys. I knew this wasn't real. I knew this was too good to be true. I knew you guys were as weird as they could get. Like he was waiting on it. And then it's like one week I just noticed it's like a light bulb went off and we went, huh, this is just who they are. This is the real deal. Like he's just that weird on the platform, off the platform. That's just him. And I felt like a light bulb just went off, and I just began to notice visually a change in his life. And so I asked him this week, I said, hey, Jeremy, I said, I said, could, I, could you just tell me, could I just share something of what God's done in you? I'd love to hear your words. And this is what he said. He said, I was negative about everything. This is his words. Now, if you know Jeremy now, you might think something's wrong with him because you see him by himself, and he's just like, just bobbing around here, you know. And so you may think something's a little wrong. You would never think of him as being negative. But he said, out of his own mouth, the first thing, I was negative about everything. I had envy problems, wanting what everyone else has. Then God showed me the light. God showed up when I was at my worst, and when I realized that God had bigger plans for me, I gave it all to him. He said, cultivate, save my life. 
God gave me a family and a family to worship with and a family to cry with and a family to have fun with. And most importantly, God gave us a family to celebrate him with. He said, I have a long way to go in my journey of faith. Don't we all? He said, but I'm honored that God has given me the light to shine for others. If you got one more in you, just, just one more. If you got one more saved up. Because that's a representation of why we opened those doors this morning. See, team, that's a representation of why you gave your time, why you gave your energy. And now, listen, this guy's everywhere. The whole family's, and, you know, they're on the platform here. They're over in Columbiana. I came in one Sunday morning, and at 9 o'clock, we, we pray together as a team, as C-team. And, and one Sunday, just all of a sudden, Jeremy goes, okay, this is what we're doing today. And I was like, what is happening here? Like, who is this guy? Like, this is awesome. And he sends me emails from time to time. Now, some of you send me emails, and I don't like to get yours, but I like to get Jeremy's. And Jeremy sent one and said, hey, listen, I, I was talking to a woman at work today. He owns a business in town. He said, I was talking to this woman, and he said, I invited her to church. He said, I've never done that before. He said, it was amazing. He said, somebody else asked me to pray for him, and I was able to do it. He said, some other friends, they were having some trouble in their marriage, and they asked me to counsel with them and to help them. And he said, I was saying things I didn't even know what I was saying. He said, it was awesome. I was like, well, this is great stuff. It's the difference in somebody saying yes to what God has called them to do making the most of every opportunity that they have versus us just getting up and existing for ourselves. So we don't like to sacrifice. We're, we're selfish people. I can wake up and think immediately about my own day, what I want to please me. I want to sleep 10 more hours. I wish I could say 10 more minutes, but you 10 more hours. You know, my son comes in and he wants something to eat right first thing in the morning. How weird is that? I just want to say, buddy, go fix your own food. You know, I would learn. That would make me feel better. You know, I want my wife to be rich so I don't have to do anything. Like, Jim, why? <laughs> we have this perspective of us. But when you turn it the other way and say, God, what do you want me to do? Life change takes place. Even beyond us, through the second half of this year, we've given away over $45,000 to be able to bless our city, our community, our county, and to bless missionaries across the world. Ethan and Lindsay Efferson, who some of you know around here from our church, found a deep relationship with Jesus, and God rescued their heart and sent them into Juarez, Mexico to be able to help people. They launched two years ago, giving their life to missions work, and they launched under the umbrella of a really cool ministry, but they just felt something more was inside of them. So they have literally stepped out in faith, launching their own ministry called Hunger House Ministries. And they're going to begin going into other unreached areas and launching care points to take care of kids. And this week, October 1st, they will launch the very first care point serving 50 children in that community every single day. I hear a little pitter-patter, so everybody jump on. Because that's awesome. Listen, what does that mean? It means God's doing stuff in us, and we should never take it for granted. And we need to make a decision. Either we are in it to win it, or we're just going to say, God, I, I missed it. I missed my opportunity to do something incredible. The miracles of what God does in our midst, I, I don't want to be in his presence and, and, and miss him. You know, in just a few uh, months, we, we hope to see a, a brand new building on the property next door. We've been on this process for a long time. It's on the way. And I get real, I have to, I have to, I have to repent to the Lord a lot because I get really frustrated. I'm like, God, we should have already had a building up by now, and I don't even see dirt moving. Like, what's the problem, God? And he has to remind me of some things, and I, and I want to take just a fast-forward moment because I think this is just a, an, an incredible picture of what God's doing in our midst that you have to understand. 
For years, we've been praying about what we were going to do. We knew we had to provide more space here for this campus, that, that we've outgrown our space, and our kids, they know each other better than they should, and we know we need to make more room. And so this property has been owned by one family since the day Jesus said, let there be light. They owned this, and, it, and they didn't take care of it. I Many of you look at you know, and, and so we've just been praying, God, where are you going to send us? What are you going to do? And so we've been with that family, and then there's a gentleman where we're going to build this building that owns this one little tiny piece of property next door, has been paying that family for years just to drive his truck across this property to access his own. And so we've been renting space in this little building next door for storage for several years. And we've been paying him up front six months at a time. He's never had to chase us for money. Uh, we've made a decision as a church that we're going we're gonna to do financial things with integrity and, and with honesty. We had someone tell us many years ago when we launched this church, a, a, a very significant property owner here in town said, every church in this community through the years has owed me money. And we said, we're not going to be that church. So we've always taken care of it. And through the years, I would run into him out in the parking lot. He would say, hey, where are you putting all these people? Like, what are you going to do? Like, what, what are you guys going to do? And I said, I don't know. God's got to provide something for us. And then two years ago, I met someone who's now part of our church, Patrick Young. Patrick's going to embarrass him, but he's in the back, back there in the back. Y'all just wait. I know he's, he's going to embarrass you to death. I know it, Patrick. But Patrick, we met through a, through a, a friend. And Patrick is an accountant, owns his own accounting firm, and is a wizard when it comes to like numbers and all that kind of stuff. And, and so we met, and, and God began to lay on his heart a burden for this church that he knew nothing about. And Patrick, for, for all of his life, felt like God had given him one grand assignment for his life, and that was to help a church build a building. And so Patrick he met me through a friend, and one day Patrick said, hey, would you go to lunch with me? And I said, absolutely, free food, I'm there. So we went to lunch, and he asked me this question. This is a true story. The table, and he didn't know me, and he didn't know much about our church. And he said, "What is the one thing that is keeping your church from moving to the next level?" I said, "A building. We need space." And he said, "Well, let me tell you. For my whole life, I've been praying for God to show me where I was supposed to help build that building because it's been on my heart the whole time." And then he told me this. He said, "This may be weird, a little creepy, but he said, but I've been stalking the church." He said, "I told God that if that church building didn't have any brick on it, that that would be the way I would know they needed me at that church." And he said, "So I drove by late Saturday night." and there were no bricks. And that's the first time in my life that I said, thank God for a janky building. There's no bricks. I just reaffirmed. I said, Patrick, I want you to know there's not even any broken, lost bricks around the building. There are no bricks. So he said, I am in. And so he began, we began praying and digging, and he had all this stuff, and his brain's churning about how we could build a building. And then I get another phone call from the man who owns this property. He said, hey, can I take you to lunch? And I said, absolutely, another free meal. I'm there. And he sat across the table from me, and he said, I just want to ask you a question. He said, I, he said this may sound crazy. He said, but I would like to build your church a building. I said, okay. He said, I would like to pay for it. I said, okay. <laughs> he said, anything you want. He said, he said, we'll build it. He said, my intent is to buy this entire piece of property, and he has. That was a miracle in itself. He said, I want to buy that old gas station, and he did. That was a miracle in itself. And he said, I, and he said then down the road, if your church feels like this is where you're supposed to be and you want to stay on this corner, then when that time comes, I want to sell it all to you. And so for our church who is debt-free, we have an opportunity that God only can do to build us a brand new worship space with somebody else's money. Come on, that's good stuff. We stay debt-free. Come on, that's good. And see, so I'll tell you, he thinks that money's built for him, but no, that's God using what is already his to bless a, a group of people that would say, 
God, anything you want us to do. So when I bang my head thinking, God, where are you? He says, son, just calm down and soak in the miracle that is happening around you. So what do we do with that? Well, Ephesians 5 says this, verse 15. And I think this is our declaration that I want to give you, church, is who we are today. We will be careful in how we live. We will not live like fools, but we will live like those who are wise. We will make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We will not act thoughtlessly, but we will understand. We will seek to understand, to carefully determine what pleases the Lord. So at the end of September in 2019, God has done so much, and God is in the middle of performing so many miracles that are around us every day. And so where are we going? We're going to provide more room for more people to meet Jesus. And we're going to have fun along the way. We're going to switch it up and change it, whatever it takes to reach people. But what are we here for? The same thing we were here about when we launched this church in 2012. We launched it to be a place where the sick could come and find life in Jesus. And where are we seven years in? We are here in 2019 as a place praying for the sick to come find hope in Jesus so that eternity can be changed. What is God calling you to do? Will we be careful to seek his heart, to imitate him, and live a life that God says you gave it all? Every ounce that could be squeezed out of you, you gave it all. And as we make it one day and we walk through those gates, I don't want him just to say, well done. I want him to say, man, that was awesome. That was lit. That was the bomb. That was over the top, because that's who we are as a group of people at Cultivate Church, living life on purpose. And so I want you to just to bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to pray for us. And our team's going to come back and play softly. And if you're here today and it's your first time and you don't know what we're going to do, nothing weird or funny is going to happen. Nobody's coming to get you. I'm going to pray for us. And I understand that you may be in this room or you may be watching online going, man, oh, that's great for your church. That's, that's cool for you guys. But I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Well, I want you to know it's not an accident that you're here today or that you're watching online or listening by a podcast. The Bible tells us to make the most of every opportunity we're given. And right here in this moment today, you're being given an opportunity to make the greatest decision you could ever make with your life. And that's to say yes to Jesus. And so if you're in this room, I challenge you on that Connect card. Just mark it that says, hey, today I'm making a decision for Jesus. When you mark that card, we're going to send you a letter in the mail this week and teach you some next steps, and we'll be praying for you. That's simple. And I want to give you a chance today to say yes. And then for the rest of us, I want you to take a personal inventory in this moment. Ask the Lord, Jesus, what can I do with my life that would be pleasing to you? do with all of this that you've given to me? I don't own it. I'm a steward of it. I can't take it with me. So what pleases you with who I am and what I have? Help me to make a difference. And I want us to ask God that individually because as individuals, when we come together collectively, man, we do so many incredible things together. So Jesus, right now, I'm just so honored to stand in your presence with the most incredible people in the world. So sincerely thankful for every person who's found life through the ministry of Cultivate Church. And right now, 
there's some who haven't begun that journey. So we just ask, give us our sins. We know we've all fallen short. We get it wrong. But today, we've come to an opportunity and an understanding that we need you, Jesus. So we ask for your forgiveness. We accept that forgiveness today. And we make a bold decision to put you first in everything we do. God, I pray for all of our friends here today that we would just take inventory to carefully determine, God, what pleases your heart and ask, what would you have me to do so that our lives are lived on purpose, that we are people of purpose. The best is yet to come. The best is ahead. And Jesus, you get all the glory for that. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we give it one more time? Give it up for the Lord.